0: Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just want to ask, Lord, uh, just for a... Just for a actual, experiential sense of your presence with us this morning. We ask for your Spirit to come and minister to hearts and to stir us. Father, in every word, every... Uh, Message every uh, even even throughout almost every song, Father, Father, you're challenging us as a body, as a congregation, as well as as individuals, <laughs> to not only hear the word but to do the word. And so, we just want to open our hearts this morning. your direction and your guidance. You want to open our spirits to receive an impartation, an, an impartation of strength and wisdom. We ask it, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. So this morning... I want to talk about the cost of freedom. Is that more in the way or less? Okay. Anyway, um, last week, of course, we celebrated Independence Day uh, over the weekend last weekend, and, and uh, that it was uh, in our in our current culture. There's kind of a mixed bag of uh, celebration and protest or um, problems, but I made a statement last week um, about freedom and the American understanding of it, and I just want to add, I want to elaborate a little bit on this theme this morning. We, We sang about it. I'm no longer a slave, right? Um, we talked, about we, we sang about it, um, you know, it was, it's been mentioned a couple of times, just different things that relate to this. And so, I don't know where this slide is, let's see, that's yeah, not it, there it is. Um, I mentioned this last week. And this is a, it's not original to me. Uh, I found this on Facebook. Total honesty, okay? But the statement, Christianity will survive without America. But America will not survive without Christianity. So I'm I'm a little bit kind of a buff of history and so you're going to get a little history lesson, not, not uh, any details, but just some things. You see, when the United States was founded and the colonies were breaking away from English rule, they put forth a document with these words. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. That statement rests on the existence of a Creator. Okay, We hold these truths to be self-evident. Self-evident means they really shouldn't need any explanation. They're plain for everyone to see. I'm not sure we can say that today. So, that all men are created equal. Now, those who crafted the Declaration and the Constitution of the United States came from the understanding that there was a Creator. So when they sat down and they began to pen and they began to set on paper the foundation of what would become the United States of America, they did so based upon their belief and their understanding that there was a creator God to whom all men were answerable. And as they, not only did they recognize that creator, but they also, it is evident, if you read the documents, it is evident that they recognized also the fallen nature of man and the value of common restraints. Law. You see, even in the Garden of Eden, our good friend John Claussen has taught us in the Garden of Eden there was perfect freedom, but there were still boundaries. This river, this river. There were boundaries. Eat of any tree except. There were boundaries. You see, freedom is not the absence of boundaries, boundaries help us to be free. And so the founders recognized that, and so they established boundaries, keeping in mind that man had a fallen nature, and so they resisted. They did not form a monarchy, even though that was the only thing they'd known up to this point. Because they recognize that power in the hands of one person or one special group of people would be susceptible to the fallen nature. I'm telling you, I am impressed with the grace of God and the wisdom of God. I don't think any of our founders were what you would call um, expert theologians, but I think they knew more about the world and the nature of God than some people who purport to today, who have many letters behind their names. And so when they formed the nation and they sat down to do that, they put in restraints. You see, the Constitution of the United States, and I may be preaching to the choir, but maybe some of you don't, haven't heard this or don't know this, or maybe someone will watch this that has no context. The Constitution of the United States Was established not to limit our freedoms, but to limit the power of government. And when they set up the government, they did not set up all the power in one person or one group or branch. They said, oh, no, 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 that's not a good idea. We need to have checks. And balances. So that if this section of government gives in to the fallen nature and, 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 and becomes susceptible to the enemy and his suggestions, at least there's two other ones here that can kind of rein them in. Now, complete. Honesty, again, this is self-evident. At the time of the writing of these documents, at the time of the establishment of these things, many or most of those involved did not comprehend the far-reaching application of their words. And so, yes, when the declaration was uh, was uh approved unanimously by the thirteen colonies, some of those colonies had an institution that went against the equality of all men. Because maybe they were thinking all White men are created equal. But that's not what the document says. And so those words, all men are created equal, have hung in the air, in the atmosphere over America, and has taunted us and reminded us and challenged us ever since it was adapted. So that today, slavery is no more. So that today, gals, you can actually vote. My wife and I have debated about the wisdom of that, but that's not as But you see, the document says, all men, meaning mankind, all mankind is created equal. You see, if those words didn't hang in the air, in the atmosphere over this nation, there would be no reason to change. Why are other certain areas of the world so resistant to that? Because they have no foundation. They have no reminder. They have no voice constantly in their ear that says, yes, but you said... All men are created equal. So there, there was that, I mean, and we're still, I'm not saying we've arrived there yet, but I'm grateful, and the and those, those strides and the accomplishments that we've already taken in those areas are due to the fact that somebody sat down and said, we believe that all men are created equal. We have to wrestle with that. Because sometimes what we see doesn't match up with that. Yes? I think it's interesting... That they said all men are created equal, not all men are born equal. I'm not sure all men are born equal. But when God created us, we are equal. And in his eyes, no matter how we were born, in his eyes, we are of equal value. So in the area of race relations, in the area of slavery, in the area of women's rights, uh, the Native Americans, your normal colonist in 1776, probably when he saw those words all men are created equal, did not think about the American. The Native Americans. But they apply. Because of this biblical understanding, our system is set up to rely on written law and guidelines, not on any person or a group of persons. I have well-meaning Christians that are always when I when I criticize something one of our elected officials has done or is doing that throw Romans thirteen in my face. You know the Bible says that we are to be in subjection and obedience to all authority. and I look at them and I say, I understand that. But in the United States, authority doesn't reside in a person. It resides in a document. And every person elected to office swears by whatever they, they hold as holy to uphold and defend The Constitution of the United States, as well as if it's a state thing, the Constitution of the state. Why? Because that is the source of authority in our nation. And so if I cry out against someone who is acting in an unconstitutional way, I am not rejecting my authority. I am upholding it. All of this is based on a Judean Christian worldview. Okay. So, Jennifer said she liked definitions. The definition of free. Oh, let me find it. This not my notes. I got that up here. To be free means not under the control or in the power of another, able to act or be done as one wishes, no longer not not or no longer confined or imprisoned. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm free. The garden, as I said, was a place of freedom. And when the fall came, we were all sold into bondage. That's Bible. But when we come at freedom, we have to look at what is the source of freedom. In John 8.34, Jesus, speaking to the uh, crowds, the Pharisees, Sadducees, his disciples were there as well. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave to sin. Not or no longer confined or in prison or enslaved. not not under the control or in the power of another. He who sins is controlled by sin. That's the nature. Okay? Remember, this is pre-cross, Jesus is speaking. He went on in verse 36 to say this, So, If the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. So, who's the source of freedom? Jesus. You cannot reject Jesus and have freedom. And if you don't believe in Jesus, the freedom you do enjoy is only possible because there are others who do and have received the freedom from Jesus Christ. And that the uh, forefathers of this nation believed that and they established our freedoms on that belief. we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and they are endowed by their creator with rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness if you have no creator you have no rights who do you get it from Galatians 5.1 says this, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. 2 Peter 2.16 says, Act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. This is where and we, we're going to do identificational repentance. This is where we, the church, must repent. Because There is a concerted, purposeful, systematic, I want to say conspiracy, but I won't, it's not quite the right word, effort in our nation and in the world, but in our nation in particular, to remove. God from every aspect of public life. A lot of us have trouble with the media. Anyone have trouble with the media besides me? Okay. But it didn't start there. I believe it started in the education system and church we let it happen, we let it happen. around like I do'm I'm, I'm sorry and maybe I'm an eyeball and if you disagree with me that's okay Preach, but when I look around and I see my fellow citizens like sheep following dictates, Set out by certain elected officials, I see the results of our education system. I have some personal experience with the public education system. I came up through it, although in way back then it was like this, you know, Little House on prairie, so it wasn't so bad, you know. It was almost like school was held in the church, you know, like, uh, uh, well, you probably don't know that show, but it's a Canadian show called When Calls the Heart, you know, and so during the week it's the school, and on, on Sundays it's the church, okay, um, but, uh, so way back then, but it started way back then. I was still in high school, or maybe my last year of junior high school in 1963, when prayer, the Lord's Prayer was removed from public education, okay? So my point being, oh, my experience on that is that I taught, you know, Public school, public high school in Toledo. I won't name the name. I don't think it's there. I mean, I think they closed it, I'm not sure. Anyway, and in dealing with those students, it became apparent to me that they were not being taught to think, they were being told what to think. And so I would inevitably, almost without fail, every time I would give a test, I would have at least one student call me over, point to one of the questions and say, what's the answer to this? And they weren't being smart, Alec. They weren't being facetious. They were asking it in a method, in a way, that to me said, somebody answers those questions for them. And they didn't like me too well because I would never answer them. I would say, well, what do you think? Okay? That's why Community Christian Academy was founded. And if you know any of my grandchildren or any of the Montgomery children, or anyone else involved in the school, you will understand that they don't just parent back information to you, but they think. And sometimes their thinking process could get them in trouble, but it's evidence that they think. Case in point, and I'll brag a little on my daughter, my firstborn. She came up through our school, but in her junior year, came to us and said, uh, I feel like God has spoken to me that I could go to Genoa High School. We immediately told her that that was not God. (laughs) And then God took two weeks to tell us it was. Okay? So she went. Our first teacher, parent-teacher meeting... It was Sergio New Year. Her social studies teacher. A Christian man. I think he was also the football coach. For all you sports fans out there. So we were talking to him. And he asked. he says, and we introduce ourselves. We said, we're Jennifer's parents. And he goes, oh, Jennifer. He said, you know, He said, I have a lot of A students in my class, in my classes, that compare it back to me, the correct information, or the information that they've been given. He said, but when you talk to Jennifer, you can tell that she's processing what you're saying. And then she responds. She doesn't regurgitate. She responds. He said, that is very unusual. I looked at him and I said, that is very sad. Why do you have that mask on? I'm not speaking against masks, please. Why do you have that mask on? Well, the governor said, Uh, Why aren't you singing in church? Well, the health department said... uh, Why did you take the Bibles out of your church? Well, you know, the health department and the governor said, and our denominational leaders... Why? Well, I don't know, but they said, and it's something about nobody dying. Oh, wow. I guess if they have the secret of eternal life, we better listen to them. Well, we've allowed that. Church, yes, we are culpable, but we can change it. Now, I have no problem. You make you be as safe as you want to be. Okay? But have a reason for it. You see, we've removed God out of the situation, the only perfect one, the only one who is immutable, the only one who is unchangeable, the only one who is perfect without defect. We've removed him, and so now we all have to be perfect. I mean, come on, they're tearing down monuments and statues of what we have considered as American heroes because they had a flaw. Give me a break. To me, the miracle of this nation is that men and women with flaws and outright areas of evil in their life were moved upon by God somehow to get something wonderful out of it. We can't elect a president in our country anymore without going back 40 years to find some kind of dirt, some kind of weakness, some kind of flaw. Well, big surprise! Paul was a murderer. David was a murderer. And an adulterer. People, it's got to stop. That's why the seven mountains, the seven pillars, are so important, that's why not because you know, we want to go in there and rule and reign and all of those you know, tell everybody what to do no, so that we can be brought to back to our foundation because, you know we've been rusting, we've been laying back, letting the, letting the culture go to hell, so to speak because Christianity will survive, even if there is an It's true. The gates of hell will not prevail. But what about those who don't not, don't yet know him? I'll be okay. You know what this whole thing? People say, you know, you're only... You only criticize it because, you know, you're losing money or you're this or you're that. This hasn't affected me that much. I don't mind being alone. I'm an introvert. A bunch of people just drain me. Present company excluded Stay six, stay six foot away from me, please. Or twelve is better. You know what? I think this is God's faithfulness, but I haven't lost one penny as a result of all of this. Not everyone can say that. I understand that. And that's who I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about those whose livelihood, life, liberty, and the pursuit of, whose livelihood has been destroyed by government mandates. That's who I'm concerned about. But no, every we come to a place because we've taken God out where everyone has to be perfect. See, we understood back in the day that Jefferson wasn't perfect, Adams wasn't perfect, Washington, bless his reverend soul, was not perfect. But we understood that they were answerable to God, not to us. So take God, now who are you answerable to? Them, whoever them are. And so, you want to run for office? You better not have ever done anything in your life. Okay? I can see it now. William runs for president. Oh, I'm sorry. Back when you were seven years old, you went and got those fireworks that you, you were told not to get. And I'm sorry. No, no, no. You, I'm, yeah, no, I understand that's Twenty seven, thirty, five, ninety years ago. It doesn't matter. And you did find something that you couldn't get any dirt on, they'd say, well, he doesn't have any experience on being in the wrong industry. Yeah. the So, you know, we do that. And then when did we determine that life Had to be free of risk. And how do you do that? When you put your foot out of bed onto the floor in the morning, you're taking a risk. And if you don't, what? Because you don't know what Lego got left on the floor. Or what squeaky toy? The dog left. Well, oh you know, You're taking a risk. Life is a risk. But now we get to pick and choose which risks are worth taking and which aren't. The go- the government gets to choose that. The officials get to choose that. See, it used to be you had the choice. Uh, all of these people in this hospital have leprosy. Okay? I can either choose not to go in there, but God's telling me to go care for them. I'm going to go care for them. It's a risk, but someone we know has taught us that risk is what? Faith. Faith is spelled... R I S K. So, if we remove the Judean Christian worldview from the USA, it is and will crumble. I don't want to be a prophet, I'm just telling you the facts. Why has democracy, American-style democracy, constitutional republic, why has it failed all over the world when we try to transplant it? Because we don't transplant Christ first. Was it MacArthur? who was in Japan? And he wrote back to the State Department after the war, as they were uh, surrendering, and he said, send missionaries. Why? Because he understood if you want to change the established order, you have to first change hearts. And the only way to change hearts is Jesus Christ. This this requires action. This requires action. I'm not, and, and I'm kind of with I'm kind of with Melissa. I'm not sure exactly. Maybe different for all of us. Write to your representatives, write to the government officials. Uh, it may take more uh, drastic action I don't know I'm not advocating that nor am I denying that it might happen So my I started out with the cost of freedom what is the cost of freedom? without a fight in my opinion is an abandonment is a dishonoring of everything our Savior died for. That's why those men who signed the Declaration of Independence did so who's got the quote their livelihoods, their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. Are we willing to pay that cost? We inherited that. Are we going to keep it? Will it cost some lives? I I don't know. I don't want it to. But I can't say it won't. And I mean Christian lives. Okay? I'm not talking about us, you know, forming a militia. <laughs> <laughs> you understand that, right? Okay. Jesus died. Jesus died for our forgiveness of our sins. He died for our physical healing. He died for our mental well-being, our emotional and mental well-being. And He died so that we could be free. Now, like the scriptures warn, we don't want to use our freedom as license or to promote something unholy. Okay? But I don't think that's any of your hearts. But we need to stand. We need to stand during this time. Speak our minds, his mind, and take whatever action the Holy Spirit leads you to take. I guarantee there will be some. And whatever mountain you find yourself a part of, whatever uh, 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 area of society, God's given you a voice to speak. Amen. Will you stand with me and pray? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. I always heard the definition of history as his story. And I'm becoming more and more and more aware of how very true that is. And when we remove his from the story. It's crazy. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you your blessing rest upon this people, everyone who is here this morning, everyone who is watching or will watch. Father, that you would stir our hearts with love for you and for this nation, and that you, Father, would begin to orchestrate and strategize and move people here and there to effectively restore. It's part of our mandate from the very beginning of the founding of this church to restore this ancient ruins, to rebuild the foundations, to reestablish the streets in which to dwell so that you might be glorified. So Father, in Jesus' name, just do it now for your glory and for the sake of men and women and children who do not yet know your Lordship and your love. We ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen.